once again, dear listeners, and thank you for joining us here at the Republic Broadcasting Network. I'm Bruce G. McCarthy, your host for the next one hour, and you are listening to Datum Line. Today's date, July 28, 2013. Uh, we are currently well into our third economic series, entitled Economic Myths and the Science of Deceit, Today's message being part 18 of this particular series. Now, since this is our first broadcast under a new program format and with new listeners in an expanded satellite audience, it would be well for new listeners to be uh, shown why it needs to be that we should uh, take a moment to explain economics, specifically money, banking, and credit, and why they are so vitally important to understand this man-made world around us. I'll give you ten points if I have time in this first segment. First, economics is a subject that affects everyone, but is understood by virtually no one. This gives tremendous leverage to the few godmen who manage a world of enslaved lab rats. Second, a good understanding of economics, the word economics, by the way, is a Greek word, oikonomika, which means the science of household management, is essential to godly stewardship. In 1 Timothy 5.8, Christians are exhorted as heads of household as follows. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. So you see, a good husband must be, among other things, a good economist. Third, to properly discern the times so as to take whatever precautions are needed to meet unpleasant future events is impossible without understanding godly economic principles and an awareness that those principles have been thrown to the wind by society at large. In Hebrews 11 and verse 7, we're reminded, by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Listeners to Datum Line are most likely being moved by things most people do not yet see. And the better you understand the economic nonsense of the world, the better prepared you're going to be in meeting its logical and horrific consequences. Fourth, the first protocol of the learned elders of Zion, that being a late 19th century document that paints a morbid picture of our world from a diabolical perspective, identifies banking as the modern-day seat of ultimate political power that replaced the European monarchies, who became indebted to the godmen of finance wielding magic pens. Proverbs 22.7 says that the rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. So you see, monarchies became servants to financial lenders. Now, students of political intrigue will point out that if you want to know who wields the power from behind the visible throne, you follow the money. And if you follow it far enough, you'll find yourself in a not-so-shabby bank which created artificial money out of absolutely nothing. Fifth, every evil perpetrated by a tyrannical state or the megacorporations aligned with it is funded by credit, the modern-day substitute for money that was spoken of in 1 Timothy 6.10, where we read, for the love of money, literally the love of silver, 
is the root of all evil. Regular data mine listeners are keenly aware that America was subjected to the Federal Reserve System's credit for money swap between 1914 and 1965. Since then, we have had nothing but credit in circulation. It would be far more accurate, therefore, to say that the love of credit is the root of all evil. Point number six, there is no greater power on earth than that of credit creation by a monopoly called central banking. As Lord Acton put it so well so many years ago, power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. To understand and sidestep the corrupting influence, therefore, of this world requires an understanding of the mystery religion known as banking. Point number seven. Credit stands opposed to the eighth and tenth commandments of God, more effectively than money ever did. The eighth commandment, thou shalt not steal, and the tenth commandment, thou shalt not covet, are resisted by bank credit, the ultimate facilitator of America's instant gratification, throwaway, and unsustainable lifestyle. The supply of new gold, silver, and copper, which were all used as money, is naturally restrained by the time, energy, and equipment necessary to extract those metals from the earth. The first party to acquire them never got them for nothing. Credit, on the other hand, is cheaper than dirt, can be created in virtually unlimited quantity at no monetary cost to its creator, and only a chosen few bankers at the top of our economic food chain get to create it. Unauthorized competitors go to prison if caught. Money creation, or more accurately, credit creation, is theft. So bankers needed a powerful partner in crime to avoid going to prison. That partner in crime is called government. Point number eight, credit is the modern catalyst used to stimulate economic activity, like synthetic adrenaline. It propels every social engineering project from HARP to GMOs, from fracking of shale deposits deep underground to every conceivable weapon system spawned by the fertile imagination of diabolical war hawks. Point number nine, Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 13 through 16, command just weights and measures, which economic reformers most often overlook despite its wholesale violation by the credit system. It's also a commandment with promise. It says in part, But thou shalt have a perfect and just weight, a perfect and just measure shalt thou have, that thy days may be lengthened in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Well, if we'd like to be prolonged in this land, we'd better go back to just weights and measures. Unlike gold and silver, intangible credit, however, cannot be accurately weighed or measured in the decimal system of measurement called dollars and cents. Point number ten. A credit system is uniquely suitable for invading the public's privacy. Economic transactions that use checks, credit, and debit cards provide lots of juicy information about you to an army of investigators all over the globe through international tax treaties and contracts. In the days of gold and silver coin, however, little or no information was available to feed the appetite of a central planning and regulatory apparatus that was envisioned by the likes of Karl Marx, outlined in the fifth plank of his Communist Manifesto back in 1848. 
Likewise, a bank loan creates a penetrating profile for later analysis of human lab rats by inquisitive social engineers. In our last datum line broadcast, entitled Economic Myths and the Science of Deceit, Part 17, we reviewed the Lincoln-Greenback period from 1865, when the Civil War ended, until January 1879, when Congress would finally begin paying off those notes in lawful money pursuant to the Resumption Act passed four years earlier in 1875. This would end 17 years of irredeemable legal tender United States notes, forced upon a so-called free people as a wartime measure by their servants in Congress. Observations for that broadcast were taken from Edward W. Kemmer, professor of international finance, Princeton University, in his book, Money, published in 1935. And when we come back from our first break, we'll get into a little bit of a review of that broadcast. Today's message is going to be entitled, Economic Myths and the Science of Deceit, Part 18. Well, there's our music. Here's our first break. I'm Bruce G. McCarthy, and you are listening to Datham Line. G. McCarthy, and today's message, Economic Myths and the Science of Deceit, Part 18, this being our third economic series. As I mentioned on the other side of the break, the observations from the previous broadcast were taken from a book entitled Money, published in 1935 by a professor of international finance by the name of Edwin W. Kemmerer. Now, in his book, uh, as I had mentioned in the previous broadcast, he had itemized our nation's so-called money stock in the summer of 1865, and it went as follows. $431 million in United States notes, $15 million in United States fractional notes, $146 million in national bank notes, and $143 million in state bank notes for a total of $735 million in notes. Did you hear any mention at all of lawful money in this list? Well, if you're a regular data mine listener, you would have noticed that there was no money mentioned whatsoever. And the professor was well aware that those notes were only promises to pay money, and that a promise to pay money is obviously not money. That banks ceased to redeem their notes in money following the financial crisis of 1860. That bank notes were issued in excess of any money on deposit, or allegedly on deposit, to redeem them. And that United States notes were issued without any money behind them. So the professor erred when identifying this vast sum of IOUs as the nation's money stock. 
Now, notes did circulate as money substitutes, but they did that because all money had been driven out of circulation by devious banking practices and by the Legal Tender Acts of Congress, some of which we have explained in previous broadcasts. Now, when the war began in early 1861, the director of the Mint estimated gold and silver circulation. Now we're talking about lawful money. He estimated that circulation at 255 million to up to maybe 280 million dollars, and this was just in the northern states. And there was approximately 150 million dollars in bank notes. Now, if we take the mean figure, halfway between 255 and 280 million, that being 267 million 500 thousand dollars in gold and silver coin, that's face value now, and then we omit the banknotes altogether, since that's not money, but we'll add 30% specie reserve for that $150 million, which would give us $45 million in gold and silver coin, because that was the actual reserve, then the total gold and silver coinage in the northern states alone was in excess of $312 million when the war began none of which circulated long before that war ended, only four years later. So $735 million in dubious IOUs somehow managed to replace a little more than $312 million in lawful money. So this is a sum that is more than double, and that was in only four years. Prices rose accordingly. Now, because the Legal Tender Act artificially tied lawful money to greenbacks, as we explained in the previous broadcast, which began to depreciate immediately when issued, then the value of silver coin fell to less than that of silver as bullion. This forced silver coins, and then ultimately copper coins, out of circulation. To fill this new void, a problem that Congress created with the Legal Tender Act itself, those coins were replaced with $15 million in fractional currency notes in denominations as low as three cents. Now, there's a populist dream for you, a populist dream come true, a paper three-cent piece. Wouldn't you love it? Now, as the war ended, Congress prepared for a return to constitutional money, this was acknowledged by Professor Kammerer, and this is how Congress was managed to, managed to acknowledge that greenbacks themselves were somehow unconstitutional. If you're going to return to constitutional money, then evidently you don't have constitutional money, and United States notes were not constitutional money. Now, this was going to be accomplished by way of the Resumption Act, which took effect January 1st, 1879, when the Treasury was expected to have enough gold to start paying for the war that Congress financed with copious amounts of credit. And what was that credit? United States notes. As we'll learn today, President Abraham Lincoln pledged to Congress that his administration would resume redemption of specie payment after the war ended, a fact that populists seem to forget. Now, 
since Congress was preparing to return the United States a constitutional system of gold and silver coinage when the Civil War came to a close. One needs to remember that there were powerful forces at work to keep those greenbacks in perpetual circulation. Legal tender, you see, was a new game in town. This was the first time that Congress dared to impose a legal tender act under the Constitution, and the Constitution had been uh, written in 1787. Okay. So we're better than 70 years down the road. But this was a wartime emergency measure that provided Congress with a means of funding projects, wartime projects, without having to appeal for added tax revenue from a reluctant public. This is one of the advantages afforded by legal tender in that it allows an unfettered Congress to bypass direct public approval for money they wish to spend, so long as that money is purely artificial and can be created, in effect, by the stroke of a pen. Why should bankers have all the fun? Having enjoyed this unconstitutional power for four years, it's quite understandable that Congress would not want to relinquish this magic pen now that peace reigned throughout the land. Thus, on May 31, 1878, this is after the war had ended now, Congress passed a measure to create a permanent greenback currency. To further confound this new political landscape was another faction whose goal was to replace greenbacks with the newly issued national currency notes that were authorized in 1863 at about the midpoint of the Civil War. Banks, after all, were not hamstrung by requirements of the Constitution, so national currency notes issued by national banks, well, those might pass muster, you see, whereas United States notes were of most dubious character because they were bills of credit which violated the Constitution. And we can sense the frustration of the bankers who weren't about to allow competition from a new thief on the block, even if that thief was Congress. In the end, both the United States notes and national bank notes were replaced by Federal Reserve notes, which began as Federal Reserve bank notes under the national bank system. Thousands of competing national banks had their look-alike notes taxed out of existence during the early 1900s, leaving only the tax-exempt Federal Reserve notes to circulate alongside gold and silver certificates and a few United States notes. Gold certificates vanished with the gold heist of 1934 under the FDR administration. Silver certificates followed suit in the 1960s with the theft of our silver coins. Here's our music. This is our next break. I'm Bruce G. McCarthy, and you're listening to Data Mine. You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. That moment of panic, sheer terror, really. You're afraid to answer the phone, frightened by who might be at the door. If you're facing foreclosure or being harassed by debt collectors, you know the feeling. 
you need to visit whatliesinyourdebt.com to turn the tables on the banksters, collection agencies, and other crooks. WhatLiesInYourDebt.com has solutions. WhatLiesInYourDebt.com features live training webinars from experts, a member forum, support from experts who've been where you are right now and came out the other side in a better financial situation. If you are like millions of Americans who are behind on their mortgage, behind on their credit cards, or just being harassed by debt collectors, then this system is for you. We promise, if you cannot stop your foreclosure, even if it's imminent, if you cannot stop those debt collectors from bugging you, If you cannot clean up your credit, and finally, if you cannot make a few thousand bucks during the entire process, make money from the debt collectors, yes, at whatliesinyourdebt.com, we will refund your money 100% in the first 60 days. Don't fear the bill collectors anymore. Visit whatliesinyourdebt.com. Golden Stag Safaris invites you to hunt in one of Argentina's most beautiful scenarios. Enjoy the quietness of the Pampas and the five-star accommodation lodge. Excellent food and wine included in your stay, all the while hunting big game in the Argentine Valley, an area known for having a wide range of game, excellent trophies, the biggest stags in South America, as well as many other species, all gold medal quality. One-on-one guided hunts, Rental guns available with the highest quality scopes in every caliber, land rovers for transport, pick up at Buenos Aires Airport, and a private aircraft for charter is all available. Go to www.goldenstagsafaris.com to see photos and for more information. Again, www.goldenstagsafaris.com. An effective, 100% organic nutritional supplement is now available to be shipped out to you, Rush Delivery. Heart and Body Extract is a 100% natural, organic, and wild-crafted formula made out of garlic, hawthorn berries, hawthorn leaves, coleus, motherwort, bilberry, butcher's broom kelp, mistletoe, ginger and cayenne pepper it is an excellent formula designed to balance and support the heart and circulatory system it is extremely effective and starts to work within days order your two-month supply by visiting heartandbody.com or by calling 866-295-5305 866-295-5305 Take the high road to a long and happy life. Heartandbody.com Greetings and welcome back to this segment of Datum Line. Today's message, Economic Myths and the Science of Deceit, Part 18. Now for new listeners, uh, I should... uh, inform you that all datum line messages link together. And I do that for maximum information transfer using a logical sequence. So this message may seem somewhat overwhelming if you're a new listener. So I would strongly recommend that you access the archives and kind of uh, review at least this series, if not the last three economic series, which will help you immensely in your understanding of the subject matter that I'm currently reviewing. And I'm reviewing this for the benefit of our regular listeners. In just a moment, we're going to get into new material, and you should be able to follow that a little bit more easily. Uh, But as I mentioned, uh, there were uh, various 
competing national banks that were created under the National Bank Act that there was established in 1863 under the Lincoln administration. And uh, this National Bank Act was a precursor to the Federal Reserve System. In fact, the Federal Reserve System is not yet in its final form. It will be when the populace have their way and the Federal Reserve gets nationalized. That will be probably the last step in its evolutionary process. Anyway, uh, various uh, banks were issuing uh, national currency notes, but those were eventually taxed out of existence. And I think there were people probably in the New York, Philadelphia, Boston area banking uh, circles who knew well in advance that that was going to uh, be brought about. Uh, when the Federal Reserve was created by the Federal Reserve Act, December 23rd, two days before Christmas, 1913, uh, that opened up as a national bank also, issuing national bank notes. And the first Federal Reserve notes were the giant horse blanket-sized notes, and they were Federal Reserve bank notes. And they looked just like all of the other national bank notes, denomination for denomination, the only difference was that they said that they were issued by the Federal Reserve Bank of Boston, Federal Reserve Bank of New York, Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia, Atlanta, St. Louis, and so forth. Then they got a new law. That's the beauty of civil uh, civil laws, that you can keep changing it. Fortunately, God doesn't keep changing his idea of what's right and wrong. But they got a new law passed, which would impose a tax on all of their competitors, and so between about 1914, when the Federal Reserve opened for business, and 1935, uh, a tax was imposed on all of the competing notes, put those out of circulation, but left Federal Reserve notes uh, in their wake. Now, we then had, at that time, uh, silver certificates, because the gold certificates had been removed in 1934 when the FDR administration confiscated the public's gold. And uh, we still had silver certificates up until about uh, the mid-1960s. But then we had our silver stolen, and silver certificates disappeared right alongside them. Now, United States notes are likewise extinct. There weren't very many of those in circulation at that time anyway. So you see, the godmen in Congress can simply reverse the laws of right and wrong, or even the, the laws of gravity, I suppose, by revising legislation until black is wide. Now, in today's broadcast, we're going to review the Lincoln-Greenback period, but this time from another perspective provided by A. Barton Hepburn, who was a doctor of law, ex-comptroller of the currency, ex-superintendent of banking for the state of New York, and vice president of Chase National Bank. Our references today will be taken from his book, Contest for Sound Money, which was published in 1903. Now, this was just four years before the bank panic of 1907 that would serve to justify federal banking reform legislation in 1913 to create the Federal Reserve System. Now, I should point out that this bank panic of 1907 occurred under the national banking system that had been created in 1863 to give us a nice, stable economic system you know, sound, currency, and all that sort of thing. Well, that panic of 1907 
was one of several that occurred subsequent to the National Banking Act. So that one didn't save us either, nor has the Federal Reserve been able to save us from bank panics, as you have probably detected, at least starting in 2008. Now, as with Edwin Vieira in his Pieces of Eight, and Edwin Kemmer in his book, Money, in our previous messages, we're going to let Mr. Hepburn lay a brief foundation regarding the conditions that preceded the congressional funding debates of 1861 to 1862. Here's what he says. Quote, the nation was at the civil war, the outcome of which could not be foreseen. Its debt of about $76 million was greater than at any time since the period following the War of 1812, and most of this debt had been created during the years of peace. The nation's credit, he says, was poor, its securities having been sold at less, or I should say greater, than 10% below par by the outgoing Secretary of the Treasury, end quote. Now, in contrast to this statement, Professor Kemmerer, who we quoted in our previous broadcast, in his book Money, at page 177, had painted a more optimistic picture, saying that, quote, the credit of the government was good, end quote. Now, Hepburn says that the nation's credit was poor. So we have two different people looking at the same time frame, both of them coming up with different conclusions. You can accept whichever one you want. Now, Hepburn estimated total specie in circulation at about $250 million, and that there were about $200 million in banknotes, while Professor Kemmerer had cited estimates by the director of the Mint showing that there was anywhere from 255 to $280 million in specie, and $50 million less, in other words, $150 million in banknotes. So they disagree a little bit there as well. However, both did agree, as Hepburn put it, that the condition of the paper circulation was very far from satisfactory, the paper circulation being the so-called paper money, saying that most notes were at a discount, varying with the distance from the bank of issue. The further away you were from the bank, usually the cheaper those notes were. According to Hepburn, there were 7,000 kinds and denominations of notes and fully 4,000 spurious or altered varieties were reported. I think it was uh, Professor Kemmerer who said there were 5,000 varieties of counterfeit notes in circulation. Now, both agree that as government needs became more pressing, the Secretary of the Treasury, his name was Chase, Salmon P. Chase, Salmon Portland Chase, actually, begged Congress for increased taxes and loans. But Congress was afraid to increase the taxes because wars tend not to be very popular, and people don't like to pay for wars, at least that seemed to be the view of Congress. So Congress preferred and approved the loans instead of the increase in taxes. Now, on page 180, Hepburn explains that Secretary Chase recommended a national bank currency secured by bonds to offset objections, many of which he held, that state banknotes were unconstitutional. So he apparently thought that national banknotes wouldn't be unconstitutional. And he believed that government notes would depreciate due to the temptation of overissue. So we have a competition now between state banknotes government notes, the United States notes, or Lincoln Greenbacks, and a new proposed currency, which would be national bank notes. 
Now, your choice is going to be notes. You know, so we've got the uh, the paradigm has already been established. You know, the uh, uh, the field of choice has been limited. You got three choices: you can have notes, notes, or notes. Uh, because eventually, America was going to get rid of gold and silver coin. Not necessarily because the public wanted to get rid of the gold and the silver, but because somebody else had a hidden agenda. Okay. Now, he, this being Secretary Chase, presented appalling estimates for government expenditures, which normally at that time ran about $65 million a year. Now, just imagine uh, running the federal government on $65 million a year. I don't know what the figures are today, but they're over a trillion. Now, in his July report to Congress, his estimate as to what they were going to need for the year would be $318 million because of the war. Now, this is about five times more than normal expenditures. But in December of that year, he increased it by another $200 million, which puts you up at around $518 million for the year. Now, that's approximately eight times that of a normal budget request. And such phenomenal requests evidently had a very depressing effect on Congress. Oh, here's our music. Looks like we got another break. I'm Bruce C. McCarthy. This is Datum Line. Healer Spring Sale. 500 parts per million colloidal silver. All sizes. COQ10 with Hawthorne. Glucosamine Chondroitin. Sea Cucumber. Colloidal Minerals. Superfam and Super Male Plaques. Colon Enhancer. Our top selling liquid. Cow Mag Vitamin D. MSM Sulfur Capsules. And Elderberry Power Capsules. We also offer certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine. Free memberships and free online newsletters also available at HerbalHealer.com. Herbal Healer has been serving the natural medicine industry for 25 years. This is a company you can count on. Visit HerbalHealer.com today. HerbalHealer.com. That's HerbalHealer.com. With financial uncertainty circling the globe due to job losses, decline in the housing market, a climate of corruption, bailouts, currency rigging, and unfair competition, many are once more turning to precious metals as the only hedge against the uncertainty of the future. With the U.S. House conducting hearings on proposals to confiscate workers' personal retirement accounts, including 401Ks and IRAs, this is the time to secure your assets. Call Republic Trading Group today, 800-691-7898, before this happens and find out how easy it is to convert your existing IRA and in some instances your 401k plan into real wealth now. Don't let the ravages of hyperinflation caused by the massive increase of fiat currency now flooding world markets affect your retirement account. Call RTG at 800-691-7898 and experience the security and peace of mind that only real gold and silver can offer. That number again is 800-691-7898. Call now. Corporate media dominates the American opinion. 
Finding independent voices that counter this avalanche is becoming increasingly difficult. With the endless corruption running rampant throughout our government, independent voices are needed more than ever to battle the offensive against our freedoms and liberties. As a listener of RBN, no one understands this concept better than you. Now it's up to you to do your part. The time has come for you to take action and begin broadcasting the truth to hundreds or thousands of people every month. Sound impossible? Quite the contrary. With pointed slogans from LibertyStickers.com, you can reach countless sleeping Americans unaware that they live in a real-life wonderland. LibertyStickers.com has a huge inventory of political bumper stickers and messages that reflect the truth about our government, our politicians, and the future of America. With so many in stock, there's one perfect for you. Visit us today at LibertyStickers.com. Again, that's LibertyStickers.com. Do your part. Your voice is important. Let it be heard. Do you love America? Do you support the right to bear arms? Do you have an opinion on the current immigration issue? Do you believe in the dollar? You have a voice. You have an opinion. Let it be heard. Go to AmericanFreedomSurvey.com right now and make your voice count. Do you like your rights taken away for the so-called sake of public safety? Do you want to repeal Obamacare? Go to AmericanFreedomSurvey.com today and fight back. All you have to do is fill out a short survey and you're done. Simple, easy, fast. For your time, you get entered to win free gold and silver. That's right. Get gold and silver free by filling out this short survey that enters you to win. AmericanFreedomSurvey.com Go to AmericanFreedomSurvey.com today. That's AmericanFreedomSurvey.com last segment actually of data mine today's message economic myths and the science of deceit part 18 on the other side of uh, our last break we were uh, reviewing uh, the book written by uh, a barton hepburns called contest for sound money published in 1903 and he was giving us an overview of the economic conditions at the commencement of the civil war the year being 1861 and so I'll pick up where we left off. He said that state banks, we're on page 181 of his book now, had suspended specie payment, while on page 182, demand notes of the United States Treasury were not redeemed in coin on demand, which made them difficult to pay out. Well, yeah, why would you take a note if it won't pay? He said, quote, banks and others were refusing them. And he went on to say, incorrectly, that uh, these notes were used to make payment. He said, uh, he's incorrectly applying the word payment with regards to legal tender notes, which he said were, quote, immediately, immediately available for the payment of the government's obligations. Now, I'm going to take umbrage with this because payment is the delivery of money, and notes don't deliver money in an economic transaction. They only offer to pay the money at a later date. That is, if indeed they are notes. Now, Federal Reserve notes that circulate today are not notes by definition because a note must declare who is paying, what is being paid, when it's going to be paid, and to whom. Well, those elements are no longer on a Federal Reserve note, and they haven't been since 1963. In fact, 
only a couple days after the assassination of President Kennedy down in Dallas in 1963, the Federal Reserve began almost immediately putting into circulation notes that removed that little line that said, we'll pay to the bear on demand. You see, we were all busy. We were all distracted by the Kennedy assassination. Now, that was another one of those coincidental events in American history, one which seems to have passed notice, particularly in mainstream media. Anyway, notes do not deliver money in an economic transaction. They only offer. That's what a tender is, a legal tender. A tender means to offer. They only offer to pay the money, and that at a later date, or when demanded of the issuing bank by the current holder of the note. But these notes, as we found, would not pay the money even when demanded, because, as he said back in 1861, Treasury demand notes would not be paid on demand. They would not pay in coin, because the Treasury didn't have enough coin to pay on those notes. Okay? Now, Hepburn suggests that Secretary Chase, quote, made a great mistake in not asking for largely increased taxation immediately at the outbreak of the war, end quote. This, he said, would have avoided a need for so great a volume of legal tender notes. Then, page 183 now, he quotes a Mr. Adams in Public Debt, who said, It is a recognized fact that self-governing peoples are stronger for tax purposes than the subjects of a monarchical state, for their will lies more closely to the heart of the state. End quote. Adams continues, As things go, then, in democratic countries, it does not appear that loans to the full extent of extraordinary demands are necessary, and there is no question as to the superiority of taxes over loans when their use will not curtail industrial energy. If you raise the taxes too much, then you take away from that industrial energy of the people, don't you? Now, on page 184... Hepburn says that the legal tender bill passed the House on a vote of 93 to 59, and it passed the Senate by a vote of 30 to 7. As to the legal tender clause, however, the Senate vote was much closer. That was 22 to 17. Oh, you mean to say you can have notes without legal tender clause? Absolutely. Uh, the Treasury was putting out notes in advance of 1861, but you didn't have to take them. You could refuse them, and you weren't compelled to accept them at the value that they claimed. But a Legal Tender Act is a little different, and that was the big concern in 1861 and 62, whether or not Congress was going to issue legal tender and whether or not they could. Now, we've already covered this exhaustively, I believe, in previous broadcasts, that there is no constitutional power for Congress to issue legal tender notes, bills of credit, if you will. The states are specifically prohibited in Article 1, Section 10, Paragraph 1 of the Constitution. But the federal government doesn't have a specific prohibition at Article 1, Section 8, and Paragraph 5, where Congress has the power to coin money. See? But... In the constitutional draft, they also had included the phrase and emit bills, but that was stricken out of the constitutional draft by a vote of 9 to 2 in the Constitutional Convention back in 1787. The con
Constitution at the federal level is one of express or delegated powers. It's kind of an unusual document. If the power isn't there, they don't have it. And that's what the Tenth Amendment confirms, that those powers not delegated are reserved to the states or the people, respectively. Okay? Okay, so, uh, Congressman Spaulding of the Ways and Means Committee had said, now we're on page 185 of Pat Burns' book, quote, the bill before us, this is the legal tender bill, the bill before us is a war measure, a measure of necessity and not of choice. These are extraordinary times, and extraordinary measures must be resorted to in order to save our government and preserve our nationality. End quote. Well, one of those extraordinary measures was that they were going to violate their oath of office. You know, Caligula, the tyrannical Roman emperor, could not have said it any better than Congressman Spaulding. Now, Pendleton of Ohio, I'm on page 185 and 186 now, in opposition said, as to the question of constitutionality, quote, I find no grant of this power in direct terms or, as I think, by fair implication. It is not an accidental omission. It is not an omission through inadvertency. It was intentionally left out of the Constitution because it was designed that the power should not reside in the federal government, end quote. You see, Pendleton correctly understood the federal constitution to be one of expressed or delegated powers. If the power isn't expressed, they don't have it. Page 186, we'll go to Roscoe Conkling of New York on the same subject. Now, this is not Spaulding of New York who introduced the bill. This is Roscoe Conkling of New York. And on the same subject of constitutionality declared, quote, had such a power lurked in the Constitution by those who ordained and administered it, we should find it so recorded. But we don't, do we? The universal judgment, he said, of statesmen, jurists, and lawyers has denied the constitutional right of Congress to make paper a legal tender for debts to any extent whatever. This, however, would be overturned. piecemeal by the United States Supreme Court a couple decades after the Civil War in various legal tender cases, the Juliet versus Greenman case of 1884 being the last one and the worst in terms of its deliberations and outcome. That, you remember, was a political decision. That was on a vote of 8 to 1 in the Supreme Court. And it just turns out that all of those eight who voted for uh, the power to basically emit bills of credit, if you will. They were all Republican. Of course, the Lincoln administration was a Republican administration, which was the first to violate the Constitution by emitting bills of credit. There was one dissenting vote that was Justice Field in the Supreme Court. He turned out to be a Democrat. Hmm, funny how that is. Anyway, uh, moral of Vermont and we have to make a distinction there because there was also a moral from Maine who also served in Congress at that time. Moral of Vermont spoke of the legal tender bill as, quote, a measure not blessed by one sound precedent and damned by all, end quote. He predicted that it would increase the cost of the war. It did. Banish all species from circulation. It did. Degrade us in the estimation of other nations. Well, that remains to be seen. Cripple American labor. 
Oh my golly, this music. Well, I guess our time is up. Uh, you've been listening to Data Line. I'm Bruce G. McCarthy. I hope this has been of interest to you. And if you're a new listener, please go back and pick up the archives and catch up. Uh, and you'll find this subject far more interesting when you do. Have a good day. God bless you. smell some funky little things going on let me share this story with you it's not so much a story it's something i wrote years ago read your history people stock markets collapse on friday bank seizures closures holidays take place after business hours on friday do currencies or governments also collapse on friday <laughs> tomorrow's friday Will the end come on this Friday, or will the inevitable collapse hold off for a while? The next round of the worst financial crisis in a hundred years is coming, people, and the government is out to make you and I pay for it. And will your savings survive a global banking wipeout? What happens when the U.S. sees hyperinflation? What if taxes soar not only for the rich? Can you survive the stock market tanks? Well, between a stock market wipeout, waves of bank failures, soaring government spending that will lead to hyperinflation and the destruction of the dollar's value, isn't it time that you prepare for the uncertainty which lies ahead? Protect your money now or forever kiss it goodbye. My friends, I offer you over six decades experience of hard asset ownership and knowledge and are prepared to handle the smallest detail in the balanced protection of your portfolio. For as the future of uncertainty continues to blanket this nation of ours, I believe that I can offer you the privacy, safety, security, and possibly some profitability which you deserve. And so I invite you to visit SierraMonetaryPreciousMetals.com for further information regarding protecting your wealth. Or call me, Jeffrey Bennett, at 602-799-8214. Or by email at KettleMoraineLTD at Cox.net for a private consultation. Once again, our phone number is 602-799-8214. It's almost Friday. Are you one of the millions of people who feel like there is a dark cloud hanging over their heads whenever they're using pharmaceutical drugs? For some, the short-term relief can turn into an opioid addiction nightmare. Have you ever wondered why CBD oil is a billion-dollar industry? It's because it works better than opioids and is actually healthy for you. However, CBD oil is stripped of all other helpful compounds found in the hemp plant. According to neuroscientists, the whole hemp plant, otherwise known as hemp paste, is even more effective than the chemically processed CBD oil. Are you ready to take back your health? You can try hemp paste by going to rbnhemppaste.com. rbnhemppaste.com I'm 
so excited to have you as part of the Wild Pastures family, and we look forward to bringing you the pastures meats that you and your family will love. Now, we started Wild Pastures because so many of my clients would tell me they just couldn't find high-quality pastures meats, and even when they did, it was so expensive that they couldn't afford to eat it regularly. Now, I'm not talking about the bottom-of-the-barrel healthy meats that have claims like natural or free-range or even cage-free, terms that were actually created by the industrial food industry to make us feel all warm and fuzzy about buying their low-quality products. I'm talking about truly nourishing pasture-raised meats, the kind that you'll never really find in a grocery store. Our farmers are doing things beyond organic. Our beef is 100% grass-fed and grass-finished and raised on pastures free from chemicals and other pesticides. Our chickens are 100% pasture-raised, where they get their natural diet of grass and forage and insects. We will never settle for free-range, which is actually one of the most deceptive terms of the chicken industry. In fact, less than 0.1% of the chicken consumed in the United States is truly pasture-raised in the way that ours is. And our pork is 100% pasture-raised as well. So if you care about where your food comes from, then you have definitely made it to the right place. As a Wild Pastures member, you'll be supporting the most highly principled farmers in America and getting the most nutrient-dense, nourishing, and sustainable meats in the world. I'm confident you'll love being part of our mission at Wild Pastures, and you will really love the delicious, nourishing meats that we're going to deliver straight to your door. Visit republicbroadcasting.org and click the Wild Pastures banner ad. Secure a shipment today. Beef, poultry, and pork. Raised the way nature intended. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit drinksupertea.com. The first word is drink, spelled D-R-I-N-K, then the word super, then the word tea. The complete website is drinksupertea.com. Or call us at 818-965-9113, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-965-9113, drinksupertea.com. My name is John, I'm the founder of Blackout Coffee, and I started uh, Blackout because I really love coffee. I've always loved coffee, and after traveling so much to Europe, South America, in trying so many different coffees that were so good, and uh, every time I came back, uh, to the U.S., I was so disappointed with the coffee, so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the beans and the roasting process, how we roast it, and how fresh it is. The fresher the roast, the better the quality. Here I have like all, all of the coffee. It's roasted within one to two days prior to being shipped. So it literally gets to consumers' house within three to five days after being roasted. If you like coffee, you have to try ours. It's fresh roasted. It's one of the best beans that we can get. And you will definitely see the difference. Visit blackoutcoffee.com and use the coupon code REPUB10. That's REPUB10. Corporate media dominates the American opinion. 
Finding independent voices that counter this avalanche is becoming increasingly difficult. With the endless corruption running rampant throughout our government, independent voices are needed more than ever to battle the offensive against our freedoms and liberties. As a listener of RBN, no one understands this concept better than you. Now it's up to you to do your part. The time has come for you to take action and begin broadcasting the truth to hundreds or thousands of people every month. Sound impossible? Quite the contrary. With pointed slogans from LibertyStickers.com, you can reach countless sleeping Americans unaware that they live in a real-life wonderland. LibertyStickers.com has a huge inventory of political bumper stickers and messages that reflect the truth about our government, our politicians, and the future of America. With so many in stock, there's one perfect for you. Visit us today at LibertyStickers.com. Again, that's LibertyStickers.com. Do your part. Your voice is important. Let it be heard. Hey there, are you going to wait till the cows come home to get your new Ease-Off drop and lift? What in the world is an Ease-Off drop and lift? Our Ease-Off is a new tool to increase production for your meat processing company that will get that whole hog or half a beef on or off your rail with our remote control. That sounds great, but can I afford it? Sure, and the Ease-Off installs fast. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue, speed up your line, and increase profits. Okay, I'm convinced. Where can I get my EaseOff? Go to EaseOff.com. That's E-A-Z-E-O-F-F.com. And hurry because we're offering free shipping for a limited time. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC, 417-932-6419. Homeowners, are you in foreclosure, expecting to be served with a foreclosure lawsuit, or suspect your lender has coerced you into an illegal mortgage transaction? A huge number of mortgages made in the last 10 years have legal issues and are possibly defective. State laws and the U.S. Supreme Court have upheld that defective mortgage documents are grounds for foreclosure defense and for counterclaims in favor of the homeowner. If your mortgage has been sold or signed since closing the loan, it may be defective and you may be paying the wrong party and the lender may not have standing or the right to foreclose or collect payments under the law. If you would like to know if your mortgage is legal or not, or know if you are paying the right party, we can help. Our initial consultations are free of charge. We are not attorneys. We are legal researchers and work closely with experienced lawyers who know how to help you find the evidence to help you keep your home. Call toll-free 1-855-2-KEEP-IT. That's 1-855-2-KEEP-IT today. Do you or someone you know suffer from chest pain, blood pressure, cholesterol, or irregular heartbeat? Are you looking for a more natural solution to overcome these health challenges? You hear the ads all the time. If this stuff's so good, why doesn't my doctor prescribe it? That's easy. Doctors are not trained in natural medicine. Extendivite Heart Tonic does want you to be as healthy as you can be. And it really works. Take Extendivite for six months and your doctor will say, I don't know what you're doing, but don't stop. It's working for you. Get the dependability of Extendivite. Just see how you feel in six months. A two-month supply of either capsules or liquid is only $69.95 plus shipping and handling. Call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendo Bite. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
because you can handle the truth.